Thanks for listening. The following audio is a teaching from Calvary Tucson's Young Adult Ministry, Ignition. For more teachings, information, or if you'd like to support our ministry, please visit us online at ignitiontucson.com. We pray you're blessed by the message. Father, we want to just take a moment, Lord, before we really even rush into our study and the routine, Lord God, and just and thank you for this time and place that you've given us, Lord, to be able to study your word. We don't want to rush in, into the scriptures and approach them haphazardly, Lord God. We want to acknowledge and remind ourselves that this is your truth that you have preserved throughout the ages from generation to generation so that we would have it as a compass for life. And so we look to it right now as the authority Lord God, over us to guide us and direct us. I pray, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would speak to hearts tonight. You would speak specifics. You would speak into circumstances and and situations represented in the lives of those in this room tonight. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would take over and uh, would really encourage us through the study of your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. So last week, we saw uh, God take a messy situation with a messy family and bring about the beginnings of the nation of Israel. The 11 of the 12 tribes basically were birthed out of this crazy, chaotic tug-of-war match over Jacob. These women were, were trying to see who could have the most babies by Jacob. And that was, that was the contest. You know, who could have the most kids? And they're throwing like their handmaids at Jacob too. Like, I'm going to win. No, I'm going to win. It was just a mess. It was crazy. And I think it was... Uh, really epitomized and encaps- encapsulated really well with the whole Mandrakes account uh, that Jason taught us last week. It was funny is it, so these Mandrakes they're actually known as love apples and they were thought to be some form of uh, fertility stimulant to help you be able to be more fertile and so Leah's got Reuben out there like hunting for Mandrakes and he found a patch of Mandrakes right these love apples and uh, trying to maybe have just whatever she can do to have more kids. And Rachel's like, he see, she sees Reuben with the mandrakes, and she's like, hey, Leah, let me have some of those love apples. Let me have some of your mandrakes. And Leah's like, let me get this straight. First, you take my man, and now you take my mandrakes. And she's like, no. She's like, uh-uh. And, and they end up working out this deal, and Rachel throws Jacob at Leah to sleep with her to get some mandrakes so maybe she could conceive this is the Bible, guys. It's not G-rated. It's, it's, it would make an amazing reality show, right? Um, but let's remember that all of these circumstances... Got, well, first off, I love that it's all messy, but God is still using it. I take heart in that. That from this messy family and this very uh, not-by-the-book situation, God ends up using it and blessing it and moving things forward. But God is taking all of these events in the Bible and moving these events to work out His covenant with Abraham, His plan of salvation for mankind. And this covenant with Abraham, it began by calling Abraham out from his original family. Right? You had the godly line of Seth from Genesis, and it was through this godly line that the seed, the Messiah, was to come. But guess what? That godly line drifted into idolatry. And so God wanted to start over to make a new nation. And what he had to do is he had to separate one man from that godly line and get him out now of his family to begin a new work. And that man was Abraham. And Abraham and the nation that is coming from Abraham, they were to be set apart. God grabbed him, pulled him out from where he was and what he knew so that he would be set apart for God's particular use, to serve God's purposes. And 
by the way, guys, that is the definition of holiness. I don't know if you realize that. It's to be set apart for God's purposes, to be different than everyone else so that God could do something different through you. When God is doing something new, He's not going to use the same old people who do the same old things, especially those who walk in unrighteousness, those who don't walk according to the Word. He's going to take someone who's actually set themselves apart for His use. So Abraham was set apart. The church, uh, in the early church, the first word that we get for church is the word ekklesia. And this is a picture of the church as well because the word ekklesia means the called out ones. Those whom God has called out. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they are a picture of holiness for us. They are a picture of the church, of who we ought to be as the church, to be set apart. What we realize about Abraham's holiness is it was more than just the way he conducted himself. You see, for Abraham, set-apartness was also geographical. So for Abraham to, to be in God's covenant, he, he had to be somewhere specific physically, the promised land. For Abraham to fulfill God's covenant for his life, he had to be in the land of Canaan. And so we see Abraham called out and brought into the land of Canaan. We see Isaac remain sanctified his whole life. He never left Canaan. And then we also see Jacob now here leaving the land of Canaan, the land of the covenant. Why? To find a bride. And it was only temporary. He was going to obtain a bride and then return. And I, I believe in Jacob, we have this amazing picture of Christ. Because Jesus, the holiest of all, the one most set apart for the will of the Father, was in heaven in, in glory, and he chose to leave the true promised land of heaven to come down to earth to put on flesh to be among us. Why? To obtain a bride. To get the church. His mission was to come and, and get his bride. And now we, the church, like Leah and Rachel in this chapter, we will one day leave this earth. We will leave the ungodly generation that is in our midst and we will go to be with our husband, with, with our king, with our Lord, in His kingdom, in heaven. That day is coming. But that's what we see in this chapter with Leah and Rachel. They leave behind, really, their ungodly family, their selfish family, to go be heiresses and, and royalty in the promised land of God. So in this chapter, as that takes place, Jacob is separating himself from Laban. Much like Abraham had to do originally from his family, Jacob has to now because he's gone back in to get a wife and Laban's been a little sticky and trying to keep Jacob around, Jacob, or Jacob now has to separate himself again, removing himself from this family once again to return back to the promised land. So as we're going through this, guys, we're going to cover lots of verses, but through this, it's very interesting. What we're going to see is, I think I, think I wrote down eight characteristics of God's direction for Jacob. So Jacob, it came time to, to come to a new season. Jacob's season was done. It was 20 years in Haran serving Laban. And God now confirms to Jacob, it's time for a new season. It's time to go back. And so I want to glean from the scriptures eight things that perhaps God will use in your life to direct you into a new season as well, if that's you. If you're looking for confirmation for a new season. So let's jump right in. Verse 25 of chapter 30. It says, as soon as Rachel had borne Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my home country. So he has Joseph by Rachel. 
firstborn son of Rachel, of the, of the woman he loved. And he's like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do my own thing, do my own family. And this brings me to characteristic number one. If God is going to lead you into something new, into a new season, guess what? You're going to have the desire to do it. You will have the desire to enter into that new season. Now, desire can be deceptive. We can, we can desire things that aren't necessarily what God wants. So there's more that's needed than just desire. But know that desire is an important part. If you're going to step out, God will put that desire in your heart. Verse 26. Give me, wives, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Laban said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. Jacob has been here serving Laban for free so that he would have a wife for 20 years now, approximately 20 years. And he's like, look, Laban, it's time for me to go. I've blessed you. I've, I've worked for you. You've gotten free labor out of me for this long. My family's growing and it's time for me to move on. Again, he has the desire to move on. But Laban's like, look, my gods through divination, my idols told me that your God, Yahweh, has been blessing me for your sake. So he's like, this enterprise, I am making some amazing profit here and I don't tend to see this profit go. This is Laban. Remember, he's obsessed with his own business, obsessed with his own riches and, and obtaining wealth. He's like, look, I don't, I don't want, no, I don't want you to go. Tell me what you want to be paid. He's essentially, you can't go, I'll give you a raise to stay. Name your wages. And that's the second characteristic, what I see here, as God begins to start drawing you into a new season and calling you out into something. And that is, there will be people who will discourage the new season that God has for you. Not everybody will agree with what you feel the Lord calling you to do. Just expect it. Just expect that. Not everyone will be on board with it. Verse 29. Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came and it has increased abundantly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? And Laban said, What shall I give you, Jacob? And Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing it from, uh, from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look at my wages with you, uh, everyone that is speckled, spotted, um, that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, good. He agrees right away. Let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and put them in charge of his son, in the charge of his sons. And he said, a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastored the rest of Laban's flock. Laban, man, he's sneaky. So what he does here, he's like, hey, that's a great idea. Let's do that. So apparently this favored Laban right away. Obviously, he, they, they might've, there might have already been more solids than there were speckled and striped and spotted. So he's like, well, number one, that's already my favor. His, even if I paid him for my flock now, it would be minimal. But Laban still, he's like, hey, guys, remove all the spotted, speckled, and, and striped 
right now before Jacob gets over there and take him three days' journey away. So what he's doing is removing his initial payment and he's lowering the chance of these sheep and these cows and these goats from multiplying and, and producing more spotted, speckled, and striped. Laban, man, he's sneaky. And so he's like, this is awesome. Not only is Jacob going to stay, but his wages are going to be nominal. Like, he's going to be cheap labor. He was free labor before, but now he's just cheap labor. Laban thinks he's winning right here. But I love Jacob's plan. In fact, it was actually God's plan. We'll learn in the next chapter that God gave him this in a vision to go through with. But I love this because it's so wise. There's a lot of wisdom, again, the honesty there. There would be no lying to Laban. It would be upfront business, so Laban couldn't be sneaky. And the provisions for Jacob would be taken from Laban's control. And it would be put directly in God's hands. It was now totally up to God to provide for Jacob. Laban couldn't do it anymore. Laban couldn't say, hey, I'm only going to give you this, or I'm going to give you this and then only give him that. They agreed it would be every spotted, speckled, and striped sheep. So he's, trust, he's having to trust God now wholeheartedly to do something to provide for him something that's unlikely in a way that's unlikely. And God really spoke to me and asked, and he frequently puts this question on my heart, and I want to ask you this as well. And that is, if, if you were to look at your life today, how much faith does your life really require? Like how much dependence, dependency do you really exercise in God on a day-to-day? You know, and I think that's a great question. But how much faith does your life require in the season that you're in? Does your current situation require you to trust God at all? Just something to think about. So God did direct Jacob to do this. It was God's plan and God's idea. Jacob implements it, proving he's a man of faith. I love his example. Verse 37, Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that had been peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs, that is, the watering places where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks. And so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and set the faces of the flocks towards the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. And whenever the stronger of the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay his sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock, and they would breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there, so the feebler would be Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Thus the man increased greatly and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. So he's got this crazy system set up here, and the Lord is just blessing him like crazy. Just... His flocks are growing to the point where he has to hire male and female servants. So you have Laban and his enterprise, and Jacob's little side business is now growing bigger than Laban's. And this brings me to number three, that when God is calling you out into a new season to do something new, he will often provide and prepare you for the next step. Maybe not everything you need to be totally comfortable, because he might leave an element of faith in there and risk, but nevertheless... He will provide for you. One of the Chuck Smith phrases uh, that became so popular was, where God guides, God provides. And here is God preparing Jacob and providing for Jacob in order to take the next step. 
But what's going on here with, uh, with the striped sticks and peeling the bark and in the troughs? What, what's, it, what's happening here? A lot of people have different thoughts as to what's going on here. Some people think maybe Jacob had more knowledge of husbandry than we do today. Like maybe he had a legitimate uh, um, method that was really working. Some other people criticize Jacob and being like, he's, he, he's just following like folklore and wives' tales. And they kind of criticize Jacob. I tend to think that this might have been something the Lord gave him in the dream. We don't see it explicitly here, but God in detail says, this is how I will provide for you. Spotted, speckled, and striped sheep will be, will be birthed. Who's to say God didn't say, hey, do this weird thing like lay some sticks out in the troughs, right? Doesn't God do that a lot? He'll, he'll ask him, he'll, he, he tells Moses, hey, put a bronze snake on the end of a stick and have everybody look at it to be healed. What? Because it's weird. It requires faith. I wonder if there, there's not an element of faith involved with these sticks. But there's a lot of thoughts. Maybe these sticks had some kind of aphrodisiac effect on the sheep and, and there's some chemical in the sticks in the wood that made the sheep want to mate. Who knows? We don't really know. The, the scripture's not explicit. And the truth is, guys, it doesn't really matter. Because this text is not about how you can become a better goat farmer. It's not. This text is about God's faithfulness. God said, I will provide for you through this method. And guess what? God provides through that method. This is a message, this is a a section on God's faithfulness. Now, the next chapter really flows right in and just carries along with the narrative. Let's jump right in. Chapter 31, verse 1. Now, Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. Characteristic number four. When God is calling you out, God will tell you. Now Jacob and his fathers like, had this amazing experience of God literally telling them audibly. You know, they, would, they would talk to an angel, or Abraham spoke to the Lord face to face. Or through dreams and visions, like Jacob had a dream. I'm not saying that's the case for you. I'm not saying that's not the case. God could speak to you. God could give you a vision or a dream. By the power of the Holy Spirit, He could put something on your heart. But, more often than not, it's the still small voice of God that will confirm things in your life and in my life. Through the Word of God. Being in God's Scriptures every day. Praying every day and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you, speak to you, really listening, being in a season where you're really listening to the Lord, maybe even fasting in order to hear something specific from God. And guess what? God will tell you. God will confirm to you. I would love it for it to be an audible voice, a handwritten invitation. Like I would, I pray for that. Lord, just tell me. But it's not always like that. Sometimes it's just a peace in your heart. But God will, God will confirm it to you. So what happens here is as, as Jacob increases in wealth, Laban's sons and Laban himself are like, this guy is cheating us. He's, he knows something we don't know, and he's getting away with it. And all of a sudden, their countenance changed toward Laban. The favor of Laban and the favor of Laban's sons was removed, and they now start to begin to exhibit animosity toward Jacob. And this is the fifth characteristic When God is calling you to do something, oftentimes He will shake up your nest. He will get things uncomfortable in your current situation to where you can't remain there anymore. 
Oftentimes, God will allow things to get difficult and perhaps even unbearable in your current situation in order to ruffle your feathers and kick you out of the nest. And that's what's happening here as well for Jacob. Things are getting really uncomfortable, really awkward around Laban and the sons because he's just, God is providing in miraculous ways. Verse 4. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was. He said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. How crazy would that be? So it started off spotted, striped, and speckled. They were all Jacobs. And Laban was like, there's so few of those, let's do it. That's fine. And then as it started happening, they were all spotted, speckled, and striped. And Laban wasn't getting anything. It was all going to Jacob. So Laban's like, no, no. You're just getting the striped, okay? That's it. That's, you're just getting the striped. He probably saw the striped were the least. And Jacob's like, okay. And God's like, all right. And so they were all born striped after that. And Laban's ripping his hair out. No, no, spotted. I think I said spotted, didn't I? Yes, spotted. Spotted, guys. And God's like, all right. And they all were born spotted. Like, he is frustrating the plans of Laban. Verse 10. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and molted. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and molted. Hint, hint. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. So that was the initial vision Jacob had before he even presented this idea to Laban. God was stirring his heart. And the Lord miraculously provides for Jacob and tremendously frustrates the plans of Laban. And so as we look to this passage, guys, this is not just a lesson on faith and the byproducts of faith like Jacob. This is also a lesson on how not to be like Laban. Because God will frustrate your plans. If you seek to live your life for yourself, obsessed over your own riches and own wealth at the expense of others, God is saying, you will not prosper in the end. I will not fight for you. I will not work on your behalf. When you, when you swear to take matters into your own hands and say, God, I'm doing this myself because this is what I want, God will say, go for it. And if, if you're unfortunate, He'll allow you to go deep into that and drink from that well as much as you can and never be filled because it never will, be, it never will fill you. The riches prosperity. We talked about this last time, but it, it wouldn't matter how much sheep, cow, and goats Laban had. He would still not be satisfied with it. And here God is now frustrating his plans. Laban was prospering for a while, but that season is over now, and it's time for Laban to learn his lesson as well. But guess what? God chastens those he loves. And I pray that if that is you, if you're, if you're living like Laban, serving for yourself, rejecting God's plan and just going after what the world has to offer you, I pray you'd come to the end of that road and see that it doesn't fulfill. I pray that God would frustrate your plans sooner rather than later 
so that you would get your life right and get on the right path and find true fulfillment and abundant life in a life of, of serving God because that is where true joy is found. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and, and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The promise from the Lord. Seek first God's kingdom and let God take care of you. That's how God has designed this to work. Laban sought first his own riches and his own kingdom. And it hurt him in the, in the end. It hurt him in the process. The end of this chapter, guys, by the end of this, he will have lost his daughters, his grandchildren, most of his flocks, and his most profitable employee. And I bet things got a lot less interesting spiritually when Jacob left in a family full of idolaters. It doesn't end well for Laban here. Verse 14. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, Is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Rhetorical question, no. Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us, and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken, uh, that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. So as he presents this to Leah and Rachel, first off, it's amazing because it's probably the first time in a long time that Leah and Rachel agreed on anything. You know, these sisters at odds with each other. And they both agree, like, we are done with Laban. I don't care, I don't care what we do. Let's, let's get out of here. Let's take all the riches we can. You know, very, very endearing daughters to their father, right? A lot of warm butterflies when they think of Laban. Not really. But it is rather telling, guys, of Laban's character that neither of his daughters want to be with him, that neither of his daughters want to be loyal to him. And you might be tempted to feel sorry for Laban in a minute here because he, he pulls like the, grand, the granddad, I didn't get to kiss my grandkids goodbye. And you're like, wow, that is kind of sad. But this testimony of Laban, I think shows us that Laban wasn't a father worth being loyal to. He had really hurt his relationship with his, with his daughters. He really did. And guys, this is the, the sad truth of selfishness. It benefits you today. It might benefit you for a little while to, to shove other people down so that you can be exalted, but it's only a matter of time before those people are fed up with it, before the people that you use bail on you. And in the end, guys, in the end, you will lose all the people that should be closest to you, all the people that matter most to you, will be gone because you don't deserve their loyalty. That's what selfishness leads to. May we not be like that. And I just, I just want to say, maybe time, a little time of self-examination. Just look at your life. Look at your circumstances. Does it seem like everywhere you go, in every relationship, there's some form of conflict? Like, is there just conflict constantly around you? I want to propose an idea. Think about the common denominator on all the relationships you have conflict with. It's you. You're the common denominator. Do you have a hard time finding loyal friends? We should look in the mirror, guys. We might be more like Laban than we realize because another side effect of selfishness is you don't even really realize how selfish you are sometimes until it's too late. So the good news is, is you can turn it around. You can start. Laban could change his ways. He doesn't, unfortunately. But you can. I can. And we get stuck in these patterns, and it's this. Love others. Esteem others as better than yourself. Care about others. And you don't have to be a professional, because it's not easy. But even just the slightest effort will soften someone else's heart toward you. 
just the slightest effort of thoughtfulness. Just make steps in that direction if you, if you struggle with selfishness. Because, let's face it, we all do to a degree or another, right? We all struggle with that Laban, Laban quality. <laughs>